On today's show, another home victory for the Charlotte Hornets, this time against the Utah Jazz. They are 6-1, and one, but we're playing a game of true-false. True-false are the Hornets as good as their 6-1 and one record indicates. We're talking more Hornets before 9 a.m. than most people talk in an entire day. You're locked on Hornets. You are locked on, locked on, locked on Hornets. Your daily Charlotte Hornets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome into Locked On Hornets. It's Hornets Talk for the Hardcore Fan. We are coming to you from the Gittimer.com studios in BEA, beautiful Uptown Charlotte. We're excited. Another Hornets victory. I'm Doug Branson and I'm Yellen Kemba, joined by the man, the myth, the legend, David Walker. David, are you as excited? Are you as pumped up as I am? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the Hornets are. I'm with uh, you, Doug. I'm with you. I didn't listen. I didn't even need, I didn't even need coffee to get me going this morning. Okay. That's a lie. I had seven cups, but the point is not true. I know that's not true. The point is the Hornets have me very excited. And can I just say, David, how much I love waking up to a bunch of tweets from local sports radio people saying, Hey, we're talking Hornets today. Get excited. Okay. Yeah, go ahead and say it. Oh, six yeah, and yeah. six and one, a near perfect start. That's well, what it takes to get some Hornets talk on local sports radio. But uh, David, don't call it a comeback because we've been here for years. Win or lose, we're going to be throwing down Hornets talk for you every weekday. You just subscribe to us on iTunes, and we show up in your feed every single morning. Listen to us when you want because David and I are always talking Hornets. We have your face. We fix. literally are always talking about it. That's the only thing we talk about. We don't even know each other's last names. Uh, yeah, I didn't even know. Yeah, I didn't even know that you were married until like several days ago. <laughs> we just we exactly. just talk hornets. That's it. That's how focused we are. Um, we are part of the Locked On Podcast Network as well. Your team every day. Go to iTunes, search Locked On, and find podcast on the NBA, the NFL, golf, fantasy sports. I just met the uh, the host of. Locked on fantasy football, Vinny Iyer. He lives mm-hmm. here in Charlotte. Uh, so he, he gave me some tips. Oh, yeah? Gave me some tips heading yeah, into okay. the, the home stretch of fantasy football. So, uh, yeah, you got to you gotta anything hit anything you can anything, anything I can you share? Can pass on to, no. To the folks? No, I'm keeping these. Okay. In, I'm, okay. I'm selfish with these fantasy football tips. I'm keeping these in the pocket. Uh, I'm trying to win my league, bruh. It's the fastest growing podcast network in the world. Get on it. Search Locked On on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast. Okay, David, let's start in Charlotte again. Home stretch for the Hornets. They're making the most of it. The Hornets get the victory over a young and talented Utah Jazz team, one hundred four to ninety eight. Stop me if you've heard this one before. The Hornets struggled in the first half. They couldn't keep Jazz center and Monstar lookalike Rudy Gobert, Gobzilla, as our friend Amar mm-hmm. Smith from SLC Dunk calls him. They couldn't keep them off the boards, and they couldn't keep the Jazz offense out of the paint. They trailed 58-51 to going into the second half. But say it with me, David. Hello, third quarter. Third quarter. Okay, well, we'll work on it. This time, (laughs) it was the Hornets' defense stepping up as opposed to the offense. They hold the Jazz. They put the clamps down 
hold the Utah Jazz to 20 points in the third quarter. They cut the lead to two, to the fourth. And who else? Kimba Walker turned on the burners, nine points in the final frame. He finishes the game with 21 points, five rebounds, six assists, and hey, why not? Four steals. The Jazz win the battle in the paint, but the Hornets win the war after the game. Here's Steve Clifford. Uh, you know, we were balanced. They're hard to play against. They're a good team and uh, very, very well coached. Um, and uh, guys fought hard again. So uh, it's a good win. It's a great win. And don't take Steve's tone there to mean anything. He was, I know he was probably excited after that victory, but he coached, he coached his ass off, if you'll excuse the language. But, and people noticed it on Twitter, too. He was on the referees. He was on the players. I mean, he coached his heart out in that game. David, the Hornets are 6-1, and one, extending the best start in franchise history. They are now tied with Cleveland for first place in the Eastern Conference. My question for you is, can we freeze time and live like this forever? Wouldn't that be nice on a couple of different fronts? You may have some takers <laughs> on that, Doug. <laughs> I think you might have some takers. Couple of takers. Uh, it's pretty crazy, Doug, and that's why this—you know—you look to Friday, right? We, we're, we're jumping a little bit ahead, or I am at least, to the Toronto game—a huge game. But you could have a potential showdown on Sunday between the top two, you know, uh, teams in the East. I mean, I think the—I think the Cavs play the Wizards prior to the matchup on Sunday, but pretty cool stuff, Doug. I mean, pretty rarefied air, if you will, for the Hornets right now in Charlotte. Well, it's interesting, right, David, because now Toronto looks like a little bit of a trap game heading into what could be a first-place Eastern Conference showdown with the Cleveland Cavaliers, and that's so strange because you say trap game about contenders, you know, contenders in the Eastern Conference, contenders in the Western Conference, and that's what the Hornets are right now. They are playing at a level that I think matches their 6-1 and one record. They're playing together. They're playing intense. And most importantly, I think, they're playing balanced on offense and defense. And Steve Clifford mentioned that after the game, that a lot of that third quarter and parts of the fourth quarter as well, it was an offensive and defensive attack, and the defense led to a lot of offense at times. But I thought, let's go back to the early part of the game, though. I thought the Jazz did a great job keeping the Hornets out of the paint defensively, but the Hornets were relentless with their pick-and-roll game and reversing the ball, especially, I thought, in the in the second half. They found open shooters like Marvin Williams, who had a great game, 7 of 11 Marvin from back. the field. He's, well, we'll talk about that. We're going to do some true... <laughs> yeah, I'll, te- I'll tease it. We're going to do some true-false here coming up, so stay tuned for that, and we'll, we'll find out if, if it's true or false if Marvin Williams is back um but here's here's something interesting david they pushed the pace late i mean they were they were getting into offense early not necessarily well transition in the sense that they had eight steals on the game so they you know the jazz allowed them to get into transition Um, but i thought they went small late had frank at the five at times even against rudy gobert it's interesting i thought frank did a better job rebounding than cody zeller did at times Um, but they were getting into their offense early before the Jazz bigs got a chance to really get set in their half-court defense, and I thought that was the adjustment of the game, and that's what I mean. I think Steve Clifford really uh, outcoached uh, this this particular game or, and Quinn Snyder. Yeah, and you mentioned the, the slow start, Doug, but it wasn't the uh, slow start on offense that we're used to seeing. It was on the defensive end. I mean, they gave up, I think, 58%, 55% for the half, 
shooting to the Jazz, and that's not a recipe for success for the Hornets, uh, especially facing the Jazz, who when they win, you know, we t- we talked about it yesterday, they typically score over 100 points, and their losses, they're down below 88. So they were well on their way to hitting that mark uh, yesterday at halftime, and the Hornets really clamped down. And I got to tell you, the bench unit, okay, so when the bench unit came in uh, in their typical spot in the first half, they didn't lose ground, right? I mean, it was about a nine or 10 point margin the whole time when they came in and about that when they left. So, I mean, actually I think that is a sign yeah. of encouragement. And yeah. oh, well, I just real quick, half, yeah, the, 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 the yeah. game oscillated a lot in that, in that first half and into the third quarter as well. It seemed like the Hornets could get the lead down to, to two, three, five, five, three, two, and then the Jazz would go on a run. And, and a lot of it, I thought, were just small execution errors, both on defense, allowing penetration that that got Gordon Hayward and Rodney Hood open for a couple of three pointers, or yeah. uh, it was a couple um, of mistakes on offense that 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 kind of stifled their their run. And it, until the until the bench came back for what you were talking about for that th- in between the third and the fourth quarter that's when they were really finally able to make up the ground and get the lead and they held on to it yeah i mean that was nice to see we talk you know i guess i say that all the time we talk about it. you guys know what we talk about you're listening every day what you. is that phil sims um, bill simmons would be all over you right now <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. uh but Bench Force One, right? Do we have Bench Force One version 2.0 going now? Because oh, so there's a, there's a debate, I think, on the name of the the bench on the unit. Name? What are the well, What are we looking at right now? Uh, I've seen Bench Force One, which was last year's unit, and then I've also yeah. seen Bench Swarmers, Bench Swarmers, oh, Bench oh, Swarmers. It's it's. Uh, I don't know if it rolls off the. Hmm. I, I don't know if it rolls off the tongue as well as Bench Force One. I'm in between them right now. I guess. I guess you can you can go ahead and take Bench Force One from year to year, right? I mean, if that's a thing, you know, you just kind of you move a few pieces around. You could you could reclaim that for a new group, right? I think so. I I, I just like Bench Force One because they well, it, well actually here's the problem. Bench Force One was cool because it had a little bit of like a flight thing going on, and you had mm-hmm. Jeremy Lamb taking off. And you, you know, you had Jeremy Lin, who was exciting and athletic and and crazy. And I don't know, maybe maybe that doesn't maybe that doesn't apply as much to this bench unit because they are it's a lot more skill. It's not as much athleticism right now, at least without Jeremy Lamb. It's it's much. Yeah, but you've got uh you've got a Hawes, you got the Hawes hammer every Mm -hmm. once in a while. The 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 magical Hawes floater that just seems to it just (laughs) seems to leave his hand. I'm serious. Like if you look at it, it doesn't Uh, seem like he's actually shooting it. He's just sort of saying, "Go ball." Go. Is Frank learning from that? Frank had a couple of Frank floaters. Uh, maybe. I mean, look, maybe uh, Hawes, Hawes. You could just learn by osmosis with uh, with Hawes. Just p- playing around him, I'm sure. Just enter his energy is probably infectious. His ability is infectious. A lot of skill on that bench. His hair. His hair is. But infectious. we should talk about. We should. We should mention Frank, though, Doug. I mean. You're seeing some confident moves from the second-year guy that we certainly didn't see last year, especially on inside, right? Like he took advantage of Trey Lyles a couple times last night, uh, backed him down, used some spin moves, some some up and under, some some big out moves, if you will. And I was really impressed. I mean, his confidence and ability. I mean, even when he came in last year, he wasn't afraid 
he wasn't hesitant to make moves, right? He, he, he still shows signs of that guy. You saw it was this last year. He was confident in his offense, but it just wasn't there. Uh, and this year, even though the three-point shot is still coming, um, he's still going to have to hit some of those. If he's able to take advantage of a smaller matchup like that and use some of his quickness and his added strength, I mean, I think we should talk about that too. He's finishing well. He's getting fouled. He's getting to the free throw line. And I'm not going to be uh, – or I, I should say – I am a little surprised when he throws up lines of like what 13, six and five last night. Yeah, thirteen with six and 10 thir- shooting stuff like that. Yeah, thirteen points, five rebounds, three assists. He was moving the ball uh, six of ten from the field, one of three from beyond the arc. Three assists, David. He wasn't the only one moving the ball though. F- uh, the team had twenty four assist and they lead the league right now in assist percentage it's pretty amazing what this team yep. is doing and again it's everybody Kimball Walker had six everyone had an assist in this game Kimball Walker had six Batum had five uh both Hawes and Kaminsky the bigs passing that's been a big storyline this season so far and we saw it in the one game we got of Roy Hibbert in Milwaukee he was passing the ball and we saw it in the preseason as well so when Hibbert comes back you're still going to add passing from inside and I think that's been mm-hmm. we're going to talk about the offense in a second and 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 its improvement but that's been a big thing for me oh yeah I mean, look at the holes well, look at the lanes that they're opening up by spacing that floor and you saw Spencer shot a, a nice little pass to Bellinelli underneath uh, was it Marvin's bounce pass? I think it was. It just had eyes and found Nick Batum. No, it was Hawes. Cutting to the basket. Again, I one mean, of those crazy. one of those nice Hawes dishes in the back door. Yo, Marco, you mentioned him. I, I think he followed up what I thought was his best game of the year against Indiana with another performance that uh, Steve Clifford, <clears throat> excuse me, Steve Clifford, solid. he was pleased with, so pleased with that you saw Clifford lean on him late into the fourth quarter. Marco was playing late into the fourth quarter, which we haven't really seen this season so far. He finished with 13 points off the bench, part of 41 bench points from this team. He was 5 of 7 from the field, only one three. He's shown off a fun three-dimensional game, both inside Mm -hmm. and passing the ball, that I don't recall anyone from Sacramento talking to me about before the season. I thought it was interesting... What? Sacramento. Exactly. Well, here, okay, so perfect point. I thought it was interesting what Clifford said after the game about Marco and a couple of other players. Uh, You know, Marco, Spencer, and Ramon, they've played on a number of different teams. So I think they've had great experiences and then probably other years where the teams weren't as fun to play with. And we have a team that's fun to play with, so I think they're enjoying it also. So there's a recognition by Clifford that... This this is an organization that is fun to play for, and Clifford has said many times in press conferences that he tells the players, "Look, I don't chemistry, whatever. I don't care if you guys go to dinner and and like to hang out with one another, and you know whatever. It's important that you have chemistry on the court. That it's fun to play with each other on the court, and a lot of that has to do with what we just talked about: twenty four assists, everyone playing unselfish, multiple passes, finding open shooters." And and then guys like Marco making that cut, being available for the bigs to pass to. It doesn't it doesn't matter if you have Hawes and Frank and Hibbert who can pass the ball, if if no one recognizes, oh hey, I have an opportunity to cut here and I'm gonna beat my guy back door. But players are doing that, everyone's playing in sync, and that's why you have a Hornets team with no real 
definable superstars at six and one and being talked about as a possible contender in the Eastern Conference. Really amazing stuff to watch. It's pretty incredible. You mentioned the cutting, um, and I pulled some stats the, the other day. They're they, the catching and the cutters. Uh, scoring off cutting plays, the Hornets are one of the best teams in the league, and that's not surprising if you've watched this team play. We know that you guys have. You go back to the very first game, you had MKG cutting in and, and Hibbert finding him. And we should mention this, Doug. No Hibbert, no Lamb. Uh, you've talked about this. They're getting these wins. They're racking up these wins. I don't want to say shorthanded, but those guys are important and are going to be rotation mm-hmm. players. But they are calling on guys that I don't think a lot of people would have thought would be this important, especially this early, especially Spencer Hawes, who really has answered the bell. I mean, he has gone in there and played well, had another nice game, I thought, last night, and is, I think, cutting down on those you know, overextending himself. Yeah, Hawsey and yeah. I mean, I think so. He pay, no, you, you bring up a great point. Several times last night, I anticipated – him putting up a weird shot. He had one, but I anticipated a couple of other possessions. I'm like, all right, Haas is going to put it up right here. And he didn't. <laughs> he passed it up. I, I think he's, first of all, he was mentioned in that clip along uh, along with the others as, as having more fun mm-hmm. this year. And, and we got a couple of questions on Twitter from Haas. So let's get to those. First from our friend in the land down under, Twiggy, who asks, has, Twiggy. Haas, has Haas improved like a lot this season? I, I, the answer is oh. yes. I, absolutely. I think, I think that's what we're saying. Twiggy, great eyes from down under. Um, I'm sorry. <laughs> All right. Well, Lee Ellis uh, is not coming on the show anymore. That's Twiggy. <laughs> Twiggy, don't leave me. Um, absolutely. I mean, and, and I think it's some of it's cutting down on some of those. And that goes to the incredible chemistry you're seeing from this team. Clifford spoke to it. They spoke about it on the broadcast last night. I mean, you're just seven games in. But this team looks like they've been together for a lot longer than that. And the core has. I mean, that's something we highlighted in the preseason, that this team, even though they've added some new pieces, is one of the more stable, certainly in the division, when you look at coaching and up uh-huh. and down the roster. Well, here, here's the thing. It's, it's veterans, I think. It's, mm-hmm. you, you, know, you talk about, well, they, they went and got Marco instead of Malachi, and that upset some people, and they didn't go after you know, an Archie Goodwin or an R.J. Hunter off the waiver wire, and that made some people scratch their heads. Well, to me, this is the answer. This is why you don't you, – you, I think Clifford's strategy is I'm going to go find – first of all, there's a lot of skill on this team, not a lot of athleticism. It's paying dividends now. I worry about what it will do come playoff time, but we'll, we'll leave that for sure. playoff time. But right now they have a lot of veteran players and and what that means is they are able to adjust to things more quickly. They're able to adapt to each other more quickly. They've just seen they've seen more things. They've experienced more things. And and it's easier for for two guys like Marco Bellinelli and Spencer Hawes, who have been not only have they been in the league for a while, but they've been in so many different situations that to me it's just easier for those guys to to you know, find a groove, and and they've certainly done that. And Hawes has, in particular, thirteen and thirteen against the Pacers, thirteen points, thirteen rebounds, and then in this one against the Jazz, eleven three and three. More importantly, though, I think he played key defense against Derek Favors, who was absolutely absolutely tearing the Hornets up in the first half, uh, getting to the elbow, knocking down shots. Favors was a real problem for this Hornets defense. And I thought that once they got Hawes in there in between the third and the fourth quarter, he got hands on favors and, and he blocked favors out really well, always got first contact. 
got physical with him, and that's what we've seen from Haas. He comes in with a ton of energy. He's played the Tyler Hansbro role, yeah. just just extended with more skill, and and he's mm-hmm. gotten physical and provided energy off the bench. And and we see it possession after possession. So really excited about Hawes. One more question about Hawes. This is sort of the obvious follow-up from Justin on Twitter. How what happens when Roy comes back? How does the big rotation shake out? What do you think, David? I certainly think it's probably going to eat into some of those minutes for Spencer, but it's going to be spread around, I think. I I, I mean, you know, Hibbert's definitely going to play. Um, so, and you're obviously still going to play Cody Zeller. So, um, they're still going to have spots for him, though. I feel like. I mean, I think he's earned some of that trust. But I do think the minutes will probably go down, don't you, Doug? I, I definitely do because I think that Hawes, you know, provides something in terms of size, in terms of rebounding, and the Hornets need that still. I mean, they got crushed on the boards by the Utah Jazz. So, I, I, Hibbert's definitely going to play. He's going to start. I think though, that they're going to work Hibbert back in slowly. First, because you want to do that with a knee injury and and just sort of work Roy back in. But I think also they can can take advantage of Spencer Hawes playing really well right now. Um, But we haven't seen Spencer Hawes play well over an entire season for a long time. So I don't know if you can really Mm -hmm. trust that, depend on that. Um, but he's certainly playing well right now, has been a key for this Hornets team early. But yeah, I mean, it's Hibbert starting, it's Cody. I will say this, since Roy has been out, uh, Steve Clifford has gone to a nine-man rotation, and I could easily see that becoming a 10-man rotation and working Spencer Hawes in, again, for limited minutes, but I, I think he's still a part of this team, at least in the early going. as that Because they've got to, re- once you get Lamb back, once you get... Roy back, then you've got to start figuring out playing groups again. So I, I think P- Hawes is going to have plenty of opportunity to play. Um, something weird I want to get to before we get to true-false. Past two games against the Pacers, the Hornets had eight double-figure scorers. Nick Batum, nine points. Last night, Hornets had six double-figure scorers. Nick Batum, nine points. I mean, Nick Batum is really taking a little bit of a back seat since that Philadelphia game where he absolutely uh, went uh, nuclear. But he's taking a back seat a little bit, and other guys are getting involved. So that's encouraging. Uh, and, and because you know, David, that Nick Batum, I wouldn't be worried about nine points over the past, or nine points in, in both of these games because you know, when the time comes yeah. when, when they need Nick Batum to score, I, I think he'll step up. Yeah, he's very cognizant of what the team needs. And I think he's still being aggressive on offense. You can see him take that curl screen shot. I mean, he loves getting that shot coming off that high screen and just flipping around to try and get maybe a foul call or getting a a shot that he can make. So he's not passing up anything, but he's playing within the flow of the offense. And he's also trying to get guys involved. And he's still cutting. He's still active. But I think you're right, Doug. They're getting production from so many people right now. They don't necessarily need him. Uh, but I do think they needed him, you know, two games ago when they were really struggling to get off to a start. You saw him and Kimba be focused on shooting and scoring early on, and that kind of jump-started things. So, yeah, you're going to have some nights of this from Nick, but it's not like he's not contributing, right? I mean, and he's not in there to be the 30-point-a-night scorer. We, we all know that. You guys know that. You guys know that from watching him last year. Yeah, so, I, no, I don't, I, don't think anyone, I don't think anyone's concerned about that. Well, I just heard, you know, I heard whispers – Amongst the the crowd, oh, like really? oh, you know, nine points. We paid him a hundred and whatever. Blah, 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 blah. Oh, 
You know, Those you, are out there. Yeah, I know. But you, you just have to take – well, first of all, guys are – everyone's playing so well right now. You, you know, and, and if Nick tried to be more aggressive and not – I think he's just been around long enough to understand, hey, everyone's everyone's in sync. Everyone's playing well right now. I don't need to go and get my offense. I need to facilitate. That's where he's more comfortable anyway. You, you know, it's not like – I mean, the Hornets, they, they last night they were like 115 on their offensive rating. Like why, you know, if everyone's yeah. playing that well, why would you then go and and just try to chuck up shots? It doesn't make any sense. So everyone, yeah. anyone who thinks that, the territory. just just calm down. All right, my final thought on this yeah. game, the Hornets, this is encouraging. This is the most encouraging thing from this game is that the Hornets did to the Utah Jazz, a team that had injuries themselves. Let's, let's be fair. No George Hill for Utah. No mm-hmm. Boris Diaw for Utah, who has played a key role for them early. But they did to the Utah Jazz, a young up-and-coming team that a lot of people like, what the Boston Celtics did to the Charlotte Hornets in their only loss of the season. They snagged a lead late, stayed in the game, snagged a lead late, and then slammed the door. That's important. That's the sign that this team can be a contender. And Justin on Twitter, shout out to you, when I tweeted that little analysis nugget, he quickly pointed out that both games had the same final score, 104 oh, to 98. Ooh, that's, that's eerie. Any questions? <laughs> the Hornets' next yeah. game is Friday. The 5-2 and two Raptors will visit Charlotte for the final game of their home stretch. You better come back here tomorrow for the preview of that Toronto Raptors game. We will have it for you. Okay, let's end the show with a little true-false. David, true-false, Kimba is playing at an all-star level. Without a doubt, dog. I think that's the one thing that's come true. out of this start to the season. That's true, my man. Um, Kimba is finally getting some of the recognition I think he deserves. He's playing at an all-star level, not only individually. I mean, career highs and three-point shooting, effective field goal percentage, He's improved on the improvement from last year, which a lot of people just did not think was possible with Kimba, you know, coming out of college that he'd somehow maxed out, that he wouldn't get any better. And he's, he's, a, he's developed in the unquestionable, unquestioned leader on this team. And last night's a perfect example, Doug, a home game, 21 points. And he stuffs the rest of the stat sheet. He's doing a little bit of everything and not to mention the six and one record, because I think that is important when you're talking about all-star, when you're talking about Kimball Walker, the success of this team is going to play into that. And right now it's working. Yeah. I mean, we can rattle off stat after stat to show that Kimball Walker is playing at an all-star level, but just when I watch him, David, I, well, I'm in the league and scoring as well. I said so. it, I said it last night. He's, he's playing like he's seeing things in bullet time. Like he's out there, he's neoing things right now the defense the offense he's able to manipulate things because the game has slowed down to a to that all-star point where he's able to manipulate the game to his will and it's it's extremely extremely fun to watch and he went into the fourth quarter with 12 points last night and I looked at producer Katie and I said he's scoring 20 no doubt in my mind that he was going to turn it up in the fourth quarter and to me those are the kind of intangibles. I mean, you're going to look at numbers, obviously, but when people watch him in the high, on the highlight reel and different things, scoring, uh, what, nine points in the fourth quarter, I mean, those are the kind of things that anecdotally matter 
when you're you're talking about who's going to be uh, who's going to get the votes uh, for All Star Weekend. All right. Uh, yeah, next- and we're, well, sorry, sorry, real quick. Yeah. Doug, I, I don't think we've we've actually we haven't actually probably talked about him enough to equate how good he's been. I mean, he's mixing the highlight plays that you mentioned putting people on skates mm-hmm. with some highlight passes now, mm-hmm. and he's pouring in these points. I mean, it's just been really impressive. We talked about him some, but I, I, clearly, I mean, he should be one of those guys that is being talked about around the league as one of the top point guards in the NBA. So it's great to see because we know he's put in the work, you know. And well, so hey, what, and what, what did we say in the offseason? What, what was it going to take? And Kimba said this as well. It wasn't just us. That What, what was it going to take to propel Kimba to the all-star level? It wasn't just his performance it was a team's right. performance six and yeah, one yeah. you've got you've got people on hang time on uh, on nba tv talking about the hornets you've got people on espn talking about the hornets and when you talk about a team you immediately start to look at the best player on the team that's unquestionably kimba walker that's why he's going to get more uh, all-star buzz all right what's the what's the next one true false for me true false for doug marvin is back uh, I'm not ready. I'm not ready yet. I'm not ready. False. And this was the, this was the one to ask me because I was so, I was so like regression focused in the off season on Marvin. Hater in the house. Oh, I'm sorry. I love, I love Marvin. I'm not a hater. I'm not a hater. I'm just a realist, uh, but I'm just, here's the thing. I'm not ready. He's, I don't think to, I'm not ready to say he's back quite yet, but he did have a bounce back game when the Hornets really needed it against the Jazz. 19 points, 7-11 from the field, 5 of 7 from 3. Had the nice putback of his own miss. It's nice to see that he's hitting two-pointers, and it looked like the Marvin Williams we saw last season, and he took advantage of a great matchup with Derek Favors, who got beat on several plays when he dropped back, and Marvin was able to flare out, get open for a 3 or he caught the ball, uh, or, or Favors got caught ball-watching a few times, and the Hornets did a good mm-hmm. job of reversing the ball to Marvin for a pull-up three. That's the value of having Marvin Williams, who can catch and shoot, he can pick and pop, he can use his quickness to shot fake and drive by bigger, slower power forwards, and like we saw against Brooklyn, veteran. He's Even if he goes 0 for 10, he's going to hit 2 of 3 in the fourth quarter. So I'm not questioning Marvin's value at all. Uh, but am I ready to say like he's he's not going to regress or he's going to get back to the level last year? Not quite ready, but I'm getting there. I'm packing my I'm packing my suitcase, but I'm not getting in the car yet. All right, David. True false. True false. Frank's defense is improving. Oh man, this is a tricky one, Doug. I mean, you look for kind of stats not for me. to measure defense, and they're not really out there. Um, but. I am going to say, uh, well, actually, hold on. Let's 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 look at these r- real quick. Um, well, you've got an answer, so you, you seem pretty excited by this. Well, I'm not but, excited, but know. I think I think it's false. <laughs> I don't I don't think his defense is improving enough. I, I think he's still uh, not able to guard the quicker fours. He, he's still uh, missing well, a couple of these was, recoveries yeah. and and runouts that, against the Jazz last night. There to. were a couple of couple of instances. Yeah. Right, that's what I was going to get to. His defensive field goal percentage on shots uh, within ten feet is is seventy percent. That means he's he's letting guys score at a clip of seventy percent inside ten feet. Now that's not great. Um, that's not good. So, uh, and that's worse than last year. So, I, I <laughs> so think, this is an easy one right now. So this is kind of kind of an easy one, but I do think so much of Clifford's system is team oriented and being smart and playing hard. I don't think he's ever going to be an individually good on the ball 
defender, especially with some of these quicker guys and him being a larger guy. But this was the focus, David. This was the offseason focus. Uh, We heard it. We heard it over and over. Going there. Uh, that's fine. We also heard Cody Zeller was going to shoot three pointers <laughs> last year. Uh, Stop so, it! You know, well, I'm just saying, Frank. Oh, that sounds amazing. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. So we're going to say false on this one. Frank may not have improved. I just, I don't care at this point. I mean, it's not something that he. It's not affecting. Not it's not affecting Frank. the team right now, but it could in the future. All right. What's sure. next? True, false. True, false. The next one for Doug that I have right in front of me and prepared is <laughs> Cody. Cody Zeller is now officially your starting center, Doug. Ten uh, four. That's uh, that's a false good buddy. Uh, you don't have to look any okay. further than last night, but you could also check out that Pacers game as well. Both of those contests could have been aided, I thought, by Hibbert's size, his strength, and his rebounding underneath. Zeller has balanced things out this season with his quickness, which we expected. I mean, he beat he beat both of the uh, Utah Jazz bigs last night on on runs to the rim. So he balances things out a little bit, uh, but also with his passing, he's that's what we didn't expect. He's improved his passing this season, but his rebounding is still not where it needs to be for a starting center. We've talked about how he plays with great rebounders and Marvin Williams and MK, MKG, but he's a center and and he's pulling down less than four rebounds per game over the last four games, uh, averaging just over four and a half rebounds per game uh, for the season. That's To me, that just doesn't cut it for a starting center. I think that you're, you're going to get mismatch situations and you're just going to get extra possessions by having a guy of Hibbert's size and strength underneath and defensively uh, you know he's he's just going to do more things for you than Cody Zeller will a, a, in terms of rim protection. You know Cody's going to be the quicker defender. Uh, could could switch in certain situations, but uh, I just think I just think Hipper's the starting center uh, when he returns and gets healthy. All right, David. True false. The Hornets. This is a big one. The Hornets are as good as their six and one record. Ooh, well, you are what your record says you are. So yes. Do I think they're going to Confucius says. I don't think they're going to finish the season at the top of the East. Uh, so let's just say that. But it, so they've done what they've needed to do. I mean, we, you, you said it yesterday, Doug. They're getting these wins. They're slightly shorthanded. But they should have been winning some of these games. And they're going to get into a much more difficult part of their schedule, I think, over the next week. So we'll find out for sure kind of where this team is going to be positioned. But look, you win games in the NBA. I don't care where you get them um you know you're six and one right now enjoy it close to 10 games in enjoy it yeah so i mean i don't think they're going to be top of the east no but i think they're showing what they can do and six and one is six and one so sure true all right next last one last one for you douglas rumors of an offensive decline have been greatly exaggerated this one is true the Hornets' offensive rating early in the season is 105.1. Last season, 105.1. So this offensive decline that we were being told about that would happen, basically that the offense was going to regress, that the defense would have to improve and stay improved to carry this team at least early on until the Hornets figured it out. Well, right now the Hornets have it figured out. I think what's interesting, David, is that the offense – isn't coming in exactly the same ways this year that the Hornets 
are or, or that we're used to, at least from last year's results. This year's Hornets have a significantly higher assist percentage. The ball is moving so much better, and everyone is sharing. We talked about it in the the Jazz recap. So many assists for this team right now. They are they're top in the league in assist percentage, and you know add to that they're not turning the ball over. That's that's been huge for this Hornets team as it always is. And uh, you know they aren't as reliant on the three point shot, and they've gone. Here's a this is what I want to see if if this is going to stick, because last season people mistakenly categorized the Hornets as pace and space. They were definitely space. They spaced the floor a lot. They had a lot of three point shooters, a lot of skill, but they didn't pace the ball. I mean, they were a half court team. Uh, they didn't get to they didn't get into their offense very early. But this year, it's changed a little bit, I think. They've gone from a pace of 97 to a pace of 100. That's three extra possessions. And and I think with Marco, with Kemba, with Batum, everyone's getting into the offense just a little bit earlier, and it's paying dividends. It's allowing them to share the ball because they're catching the defense off guard, and they're finding mismatches, and the ball is moving a lot better than it did last season. Steve Clifford was asked after last night's win why he thinks the offense that Clifford himself thought would take some time to come together has played so well so early. Here's what he had to say. I think, again, it's skill level. You know, as much as anything, you know, we're playing so much shooting on the floor, and then guys that are versatile in that, you know, they can drive the ball, pass it, and shoot it. And so there's a lot of room out there all the time for everybody. And, uh, and the other thing I would say is, you know, we have a natural unselfishness, you know, which I think starts when you're better, when your best players will pass the ball freely, everybody else will. And so the, the level of unselfishness is a big part of it, too. So there you go. Clifford confirming what we are all seeing, that this Hornets team is unselfish from the top down and and the bench uh, has played a lot better as well. 41 points against the Utah Jazz. That has been significant for this team. Okay, we went a little over today, uh, but I think it's a big win. I think it's a, a big time for the Hornets. It's a fun time to be a Hornets fan, so uh, apologies for going over, but uh, we had a lot of information to get to. Thanks for listening to Locked On Hornets here on the Locked On Podcast Network. And again, it's important to know, we're going to be putting Hornets information in your feed, in that iTunes feed, in your podcast feed every single weekday. So come back, check us out. We'll have a preview of tomorrow night's game ready for you in the morning. Follow us on Twitter at Locked On Hornets. Subscribe to us on iTunes. Give us a five-star review. It helps us move up the rankings. It helps hardcore Hornets fans like yourself find this podcast. And a reminder, we're giving away tickets to Hornets-Hawks November 18th, lower levels. Like us on Facebook. You'll see the post in a few days that will give you more information about how to win those tickets. Shoot us your Hornets questions and thoughts to buzzbuzz at LockedOnHornets.com. For David, I'm Doug. Go Hornets. Go America. Let's swarm Charlotte. Charlotte.